John joins me, Director of UK Engine Europe. Hello, thank you Hello, for coming and joining us. Yeah, very well. Uh, let's let's talk through what changes actually ex- exist mm-hmm. in this in this Johnson deal versus the May deal. I suppose the obvious place to start is Nor- is Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. The backstop we are told has been abolished, but it hasn't quite been abolished, has it? It's been baked in for Northern Ireland. Yeah, I mean, in that sense, the Northern Ireland backstop has become a Northern Ireland front stop in the sense that, curiously enough, if we end up leaving after transition without a trade deal, we have, I think, just about concluded a trade deal between Northern Ireland and the EU. Uh, that's one way of looking at it. And with, with regards to the conversation we're just having, one of the reasons why member states are quite keen on this deal, and we forget this too often here, is that many of them, particularly the French, didn't like the deal that Theresa May had struck because they saw the all-UK backstop as giving our economy an unfair advantage in their market. And they much prefer that to be limited to Northern Ireland, which is, of course, far smaller. Uh, and, yeah, and you're leaving, so leave, essentially, yeah. was the message there. And on that, on those new arrangements, um, under the new arrangements w- with Northern Ireland, same customs rules, essentially, in Northern Ireland and the EU, uh, but Northern Ireland still gets to be uh, in the customs territory of the UK. So, arguably, a win-win for Northern Ireland. Yes, and particularly I think it's worth stressing a win for Boris Johnson because crucially, symbolically, Northern Ireland then gets to benefit from the terms of any trade deals that the UK government signs. And because in the narrative of the Leave campaign those trade deals were so important, it's crucial that Northern Ireland should be part of those. And that was one of Arlene Foster's objections back in 2017, wasn't it? That, That they would be excluded from that, she thought. What I don't think we know with full clarity yet is whether Northern Ireland will benefit entirely from trade deals struck with by the European Union. Uh, and it, it's interesting. This. I mean, the, perhaps the most interesting thing about this from a sort of nerdy point of view is I cannot believe how much ambiguity the EU has agreed to live with. Because if there's one thing the EU hates, sort of viscerally hates, because it's a law-based organisation, it is ambiguity. And on customs and on VAT... There's an awful lot being left to the future. That, that's what I thought as well, because with the backstop as it was, uh, you know, at the tail end of the transition period, the, the backstop was there because there was this sense that there were too many uh, frayed edges mm-hmm. if, if, if a free trade agreement hadn't been reached. And yet, to my mind, those frayed edges still very much exist. Um, we've got the possibility of no deal at the end of next year. You've mm-hmm. got the possibility of Stormont voting to opt out of these mm-hmm. new arrangements four years down the line. I mean, arguably, they probably won't, but it's still there. Are those the kind of ambiguities you're talking about? Well, those ambiguities in terms of the politics are still there, absolutely. And that's the point of a backstop is an insurance against the politics, which we mm-hmm. no longer have. Mm-hmm. But I think more so on the technical detail. I've never known the EU sign something like this where... They've essentially just said, oh, yeah, 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 the Joint Committee will figure that out. Oh, yeah, with that we can find a way of doing it, though it's not Is absolutely Is that a sign they're sick of us? I think it's a sign that they're anxious to get something done. I think it's probably a sign that some of the member states that see the UK as a competitor were quite keen to grasp the opportunity of an NI-only deal rather than a UK deal. Get them out of the customs union. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think also they... I think they were very aware of the fact that Boris Johnson had a blame narrative at the ready. That is to say, I mean... One of the frustrating things, in a way, is if the EU had responded as positively and constructively to checkers as they have done to Boris Johnson's deal, we might all be in a very different place now. But they, of course, rejected checkers out of hand, almost you know, within the hour of it coming out. This time round, they've been very careful. And I think, you know, the silence of people like uh, President Macron indicates to me that the EU have said to each other, look, 
we don't want to give them a pretense to walk and to have an, an election that blames the EU. So we need to do this delicately. And they've done it in spades. And all smiles and pats on the back yesterday. Yeah. yeah. But that's always weird, isn't it? Do you remember when Theresa May signed her deal? We had those months and months of bitter rhetoric between Juncker and Theresa May. And An then to see them standing, almost. no, absolutely. Yeah. And then to see them standing together on a stage at podium, sort of congratulating each other on a job well done, was weird. And it was equally weird this week. Consent is a win for Boris Johnson, isn't it? Uh, consent has been a means to an end for Boris Johnson, mm. I would say, in the sense that it hasn't been a win politically to, in terms of getting the DUP on no. board. And I think consent initially was meant to get the DUP on board. So in that sense, it isn't a win. But it gives it, it gives them a narrative, i.e. I've got this, which gives the Northern Irish people consent. And it's also a win for the European Union from the first ideas of consent in Boris Johnson's original paper, because the original plan essentially gave the DUP a veto over this. Of this entry and want. exit. Yeah, absolutely. But, but it's interesting, again, you talked about those, those you know, frayed edges at the, or the, the ambiguity. The, the, the way, it, unless I'm misinterpreting it, the way this um, consent agreement works... Uh, Northern Ireland does have a unilateral exit from the arrangements and, and previously the EU were very nervous of any unilateral power yep. to leave those arrangements. Yeah, no, absolutely. The EU have given ground on this. If I were being cynical, I'd say they've given ground on something where they don't think it is conceivable that this would happen because of the nature of politics in Northern Ireland and the nature of the majorities that Northern Ireland produces. Nevertheless, there is a, it is possible for this to be ended unilaterally and that was something they would not agree to before mm. the level playing field argument keeping standards um the same workers rights the same and the like more than that but in, in a nutshell that um that's moved from the legally binding withdrawal agreement to the political declaration under the boris johnson deal mm. um who's that a win and a lose for potentially it's a it's a big lose for 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 workers and standards here in the uk isn't it well let me explain what it is and then by the end i'll have come to a conclusion about who's <laughs> won and who's lost uh yes they've moved yes they've become aspirational in the political declaration i think the phrasing is level playing field uh will be commensurate with the depth of the trading relationship or something like that mm. now let me explain level playing field is something the eu insists on in its trade deals to make sure the people it signs those deals with don't undercut it on standards. Level playing field provisions have never been particularly strong in EU trade deals, but we're a big economy that's right next door to them that trades an awful lot with them. So they've made it clear from the start that even if you want a Canada deal, we're not going to give you that unless you sign up to guarantees, because they've heard the rhetoric about Singapore on Thames, about workers' standards, environmental standards. Mm. They want us to make certain pledges before they give us market access. So, several things happen. One, in this sense, level playing field is the EU maintaining its principles, i.e. we're not going to give you a great trade deal unless you sign up for it. But why they agreed to move it from one area to the other? Well, because as far as they're concerned, yes, they prefer a closer trading relationship with us, but if we don't sign up to level playing field, they'd rather have a looser relationship than risk the chance of being undercut. It's a victory for Boris Johnson, I suppose, in the sense that he can now turn around to the ERG and say that's, that buccaneering model of Brexit where we're not tied into their rules at all is now more possible. Whether it's a, a loss for workers or for the environment... Time will tell. Well, yeah, ultimately depends on who's in power in Westminster and what they do. And, and that, as Hilary Benn was saying to me yesterday before he, he and I, or most of us, had managed to dig down into this, that was his, big, his biggest concern. Yeah, I mean... You've got to bear in mind that actually one of the functions the EU played 
and you might think this is dreadful, you might think it's useful, was to remove certain things from the realms of British politics. So if something's enshrined in EU law, then the British Parliament is no longer in a position to choose it. Now, some people like the idea of workers' rights enshrined in EU law because for them, on the Labour side, it, it meant Tory, them, Tory governments, even yeah. if they came in, couldn't change them. For others, that's a breach of the democratic principle. And no deal hasn't gone away with this deal, even if it's voted through tomorrow, has it? No, but what's the lesson of Brexit? Nothing ever goes away. Uh, we go round and round in circles. The same three options we've always had are there. We can leave with a deal, we can leave with no deal, we can remain. Until we've chosen one of those three, all three options remain. Just a final question, and I guess every individual MP might... Sounds like an exam. It might have, sorry about that. <laughs> Try not to be too stern. Um, every individual MP voting tomorrow will probably have a different answer to this question, but um, is it... Is it a better deal than Theresa May's or is it just a deal that's being voted on in different political conditions to Theresa May's? Well, I think this is going to be your favourite answer. I don't know. But let me, let me try and flesh that out a bit. The conditions You'll are never get an A grade if you don't give me those kind of answers. <laughs> Not even for effort. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, the context is different. And I think, you know, you, there is this palpable sense of let's just get it done. And, of course, the other way in which context is different now, uh, and that was the interesting conversation we were having about Sarah Champion before, is we know there's an election coming and it's probably coming soon. So I suspect a lot of Sarah Champion's colleagues who might be minded to vote for Brexit will think twice because they don't want to give a Conservative Prime Minister a massive present that will boost his electoral popularity before an election. So and, and a stick to be beaten with themselves during the campaign. Yeah. yeah. Now, is it a better deal or a worse deal? Well, it depends on who you are and what you value. It's a deal that leaves, the, leaves Great Britain, and watch all the press releases from Number 10 very closely. They're talking about Britain, not the UK, for a reason. Mm. Britain doesn't come under EU rules, so they can claim to have ended EU rules in Britain. We're not in the customs union. They can say we're free to make our own trade deals. If you're a staunch unionist, you might say, well, hang on, Northern Ireland is. Mm. And yep, that's definitely an and issue. And that's good or bad, depending on how you view it in Northern yeah. Ireland. And then there are some questions that are very hard to answer, but fascinating nonetheless. Is this a good deal for the Scottish National Party? It might well be. Thank you. Good to talk to you, Professor Anna Menon, Director of UK in a Changing Europe. More